Thanks, Tim. Um, and uh, verse 16, we're going to be looking at that as well. Uh, this is uh, this is a bit tricky. There's a lot of distance between us in terms of time, between uh, the Ephesian church that Paul's writing to and us here at uh, Wollongong Baptist. So I'm going to pray because we need God's help to bridge that gap. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us understand it, help us see uh, the uh, dangers that uh, we're presented examples of, and uh, we pray that you would help us to use our time and our resources well for the for the gospel and for the people you have uh, entrusted to our care. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was at a Christian camp once, and uh, the speaker told this story. He was a young Christian guy and uh, had recently bought a car. Um, a Holden Kingswood station wagon. I can't remember how old he was. Maybe he bought it brand new. I don't remember. I didn't think he was that old. But he uh, had bought this car and he had another Christian mate who was moving. And the mate asked, oh, look, can I borrow your car? Can I borrow your station wagon to help me move? And uh, the Kingswood owner says, look, sorry, I've just bought it. I, you know, I'd rather not. And uh, the friend said... I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That car does not belong to you, but to God. Now, the Kingswood owner was quite taken aback by this. Uh, It seemed pretty severe, but he knew that his friend was right. And so the next minute when his friend asked, look, can I borrow your station wagon to help me move? He's like, sheepishly said, yes. (laughs) This... uh, illustrates something of the severity with which Paul addresses the Ephesian church here uh, on this issue of caring for widows. And Paul has to be harsh because the church has become burdened by indiscriminate welfare. If you haven't been here for the Timothy series so far, uh, here's a bit of a catch-up. The Apostle Paul is writing to his protege, Timothy, who's a pastor uh, at a church in Ephesus, and the, the Ephesian church has lost the good order that God has given it through promoting unqualified people to positions of uh, leadership uh, and who are leading the people away from the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. People had confused ideas about what godliness meant, how they were meant to conduct themselves in the meeting, um, who should be an elder and deacon, what the role of the pastor is. And into this mix comes Timothy, Um, And uh, here in chapter 5, Paul gives instructions to Timothy on how he should relate to people at church and on this issue of uh, their widow ministry. So if you're taking notes, um, we're at point one, relate to people at church as family. Relate to people at church as family. And uh, the idea of the church being God's family is not new in 1 Timothy. It's mentioned a number of times throughout the book, particularly in chapter 3. And so it makes sense that the way Paul urges Timothy to relate to people is in the sense of family. And uh, it's in verses 1 and 2, relating to people as fathers, brothers, mothers, sisters. It's pretty clear. But why does Paul say to Timothy, look, don't rebuke an older man harshly, don't exhort him? Perhaps because... These false teachers were the older guys in the church. They were perhaps elders, uh, old blokes. And uh, so Timothy is meant to rebuke them. He's meant to be harsh with them. He's meant to tell them to stop teaching false doctrine. But with the, the regular older guys, 
He's meant to treat them like he would his dad. And older women as his mom and younger men as brothers and younger women as sisters. And uh, Paul adds that these younger women should be treated with sisters as, with absolute purity. And this isn't just for Timothy's sake, but it's also for the sake of the young women. They're both frail, sinful people. They can both get into trouble. Uh, and I'm sure you've heard of stories of ministers, of pastors who have discredited the gospel and the church because of illicit sex. And Timothy's not meant to be cold. He's not meant to have a certain amount of distance between he and uh, his sisters in Christ. But he's to be warm with them and treat them as sisters with purity. When I hang out with my family and my sister, uh, I'm really interested to hear what she's up to. She works as a high school teacher in a pretty rough school. Um, Kids have brought knives to school and siblings of students at her school who go to other schools have come onto the school property looking for the kid who bashed up their younger sibling the day before. So there's a lot that goes on there. Um, So I'm keen to keen to find out how she's going, uh, how she's found it, whether she's had to like try and break up two year 12 kids beating each other up or something like that. And uh, I empathise with her when she's had a rough time. Um, and so there's a, a level of genuine warmth and care that I have for my sister and my siblings, um, which sets them apart from other people. But this genuine warmth and affection should mark our church relationships too. So if you're an older man or older woman here, and God has blessed us with a number of them, um, no matter how much of how much people like me who are young uh, act childishly and you go, oh, you roll your eyes and you're like, oh boy, these kids these days. Don't, uh, don't treat us as kids, treat me as a brother and uh, encourage me in godliness and uh, model godliness for me. And so people my age or younger, those are some born in the 90s, uh, we ought not treat older people in our church as if they were our distant aunt and uncle who we say three words to at our family barbecue, but we're to treat them like we would our mum or dad, um, with genuine warmth and care, sit down and have a couple with them after church or something like that, get to know them. And uh, if you're a man here, treat the women with purity, and this is... uh, I'll just say something to men particularly. Uh, we can do a lot of damage in the way uh, by giving unwanted attention to our sisters in Christ, but sometimes we can just do it with our eyes. So, uh, and I've been guilty of this. We just look a bit too long at someone or just keep looking at them over a period of time. So uh, if we are to do this, we can't really answer the question. We can't answer yes to the question, have you been treating your sister in Christ faithfully and uh, treating them with purity. So if you're a bloke here, just watch what you do with your eyes. Yeah. This family-like care is to be expressed in caring for those in our church who are really in need. And this is point number two, care for those who are really in need. Care for those who are really in need. And this is the bulk of what Paul says in 3 to 16. And to help us understand the arrangement here that Paul describes in 1 Timothy 5, we need to understand a bit of the Jewish influence on the church. In the Old Testament, God was very clear that the church ought to care, sorry, not the church, that uh, his people, the people of Israel, ought to care for the widows and orphans, the people that had no one else. And so as an example, farmers were instructed 
to make only one pass through their fields, picking the grain, so that widows, orphans uh, could go through afterwards and pick food for themselves and not go hungry. And uh, in Psalm 68, God himself is called a, a defender of widows, a protector of widows. And so the church being made up of mostly, well, mainly Jewish, uh, many Jewish Christians brought this into the church as well, this right care for widows and those who have no one else to provide for them. And the church garnered a good reputation amongst the world as people who cared for their widows. And so it seems like here in 1 Timothy 5 that uh, people are taking advantage of this good care. Um, they talk about uh, widows being on the list of widows in verse 9. And this is uh, an example of this comes in Acts chapter 6 where there's a daily provision of food for widows. And so this list of widows is people, are people who the church has committed to care for. And uh, some are taking advantage of this. Some are not Christian. Some, uh, some church families think, oh, look, the church can look after my, my widowed relative. I don't need to do anything. Um, and so they're, they're taking advantage of the system. Uh, but this isn't right. And it's overwhelming the church and it's becoming burdensome for them such that they're not able to do the ministry that God has given them to do. And so when I first looked at this passage, I thought it was about Paul giving instruction on care for widows. Uh, but as I read and listened to things in preparation, uh, God helped me see that it was that care for widows is Paul's, Paul's uh, ultimate purpose in this passage, but it's not his immediate purpose. His uh, ultimate purpose is to make sure that the church is able to care for those who are in need. And immediately, his purpose is to... Uh, to make it clear those who the church, those who are really in need and those aren't. And so it, uh, it seems like there's uh, the, peop the church elders perhaps have been too quick to add people to this list and we'll look in a sec at uh, who's on the list and who's not. And um, the fact that it's gotten out of hand can be seen by the language that Paul uses. He describes uh, some of these widows as dead, even though they're alive in verse 6. He urges Timothy to command these things in verse 7. He calls the people who don't care for their relatives worse than an unbeliever. In uh, verse 11, he writes, as for younger widows, do not put them on such a list. In verse 15, he says that some have already turned away to follow Satan. So Paul's not mucking around. This is serious business for him. Uh, coming up, there should be a slide that helps us, hopefully, if you can read it, identify the... Uh, oh, can you really read that? It's a bit small, isn't it? Okay. So on the left, there are the widows who are really in need, the church, who the church should support, and what characterizes them, the, wi the widows they shouldn't support, and the difference between the two. So those who are in need of those who are alone, who have set their hope on God, who pray continually, who are over 60, faithful in marriage, well known for good works. Those the church shouldn't care for, they're widows with families, some who are, uh, aren't Christians and who are self-indulgent and, and younger widows under 60 because they have too much time on their hands and uh, we know just from our own government welfare system that 
providing money and support for those who have too much time in their hands doesn't really lead to much good stuff. Uh, so the difference between the two is uh, the godly widows have no family, they have Christian faith, they have demonstrated godliness and no one to look after them. But why make this distinction? Shouldn't the church care for all widows? Shouldn't they care for all those in need? Well, Paul says no. The church shouldn't provide ongoing care for the widows of ungodly families. So Paul, the number of times that Paul mentions this suggests that some in the church were ignoring their responsibility to care for their widowed relatives. And Paul calls this un ungodly. He says in verse 4 that caring for your widows pleases God. He instructs Timothy to command these things to the families because they're bringing reproach on themselves and the church in verse 7. And by not caring for their widows, they've denied the faith and are worse than an unbeliever in verse 8. And what Paul means here is that uh, Christians know that we're meant to honour our parents. If you've read the Ten Commandments, it's commandment number five, I think, honour your father and mother. And this shows us what God desires. And so by not looking after their widowed mother or grandmother, some people are ignoring what God desires. But not only that, it's uh, just an unwritten rule of society, isn't it, that we are meant to take care of our parents when they get old. And so by these Christian families who aren't looking after their parents are not only ignoring what pleases God, but they're also worse than everyone else who knows that they should look after their parents when they get old. And this is, uh, this, the church should not provide uh, ongoing care for these widows who have families so that the family can grow in godliness and so that the church is freed up to care for those who are really in need. And secondly, the church shouldn't enable widows under 60 the time to get good at gossiping. And we've seen in verse 6 that uh, some of these widows under 60 are uh, self-indulgent and are spiritually dead. And uh, in Ephesians 2, Paul describes this spiritual deadness uh, as he uses that for people who aren't Christian. And so the church, with the church providing for them, they're just living completely selfishly. And when they desire to get married in verses 11 and 12, they indulge that too, they go off and marry and forsake their pledge to remain single. Apparently it was part of uh, this uh, list of widows that you would pledge to be single when, you, when your name was put on it. And so by getting married, they're, they're forsaking this pledge. And some widows have fallen in with the false teachers in verse 13. Uh, we know from 2 Timothy chapter 3, which is written to Timothy in the same church, that part of the strategy of these false teachers was to get in amongst the single women in their homes and uh, persuade them of their false doctrine. And uh, it seems like this is what Paul's alluding to uh, when he says that they're gossips and busybodies saying things that they ought not to. The things that they ought not to say is this false doctrine. And so with the church footing the bill, they're allowed the time to get really good at being idle. Paul is really quite sarcastic here. He calls them professional uh, idlers. Uh, and 
since this teaching comes from demons in chapter 4 verse 1 that Rod pointed out for us last week, for those who have fallen under its sway, Paul can say that they've gone after Satan. And so for the sake of their godliness, for the sake of their salvation, Paul writes to Timothy encouraging these widows to get married, these younger widows, to get married and raise a household, raise children, so that they free the church up to care for the widows who really need it, who don't have anyone else and who are past that point of getting married. And uh, caring for more widows than they should it was perhaps very well-intentioned at the beginning, um, but uh, it seems like it's clear that it's done more harm than good. And I was listening to the ABC News Radio a couple of months ago and uh, heard that antibacterial hand wash apparently does nothing really to help our, make our hands cleaner than just regular soap and water and could be contributing to the rise of some superbugs. The Food and Drug Administration in the state said that 19 of the active ingredients in antibacterial hand wash didn't do anything to make our hands cleaner than soap and water. And because of this, uh, the contribution of this hand wash to um, drug-resistant bacteria and so on, uh, we're actually causing a problem for ourselves by continuing to use this hand wash. And so they've um, taken hand wash off the shelves in the States and changing the ingredients they use. It seems like it was well-intentioned that we make our hands cleaner, but it's doing more harm than good. And this is what's happening here as well. The indiscriminate support of widows, while well-intentioned, was doing more harm than good for the church uh, yeah, for the church. And amongst these harsh words are really beautiful and wonderful words about godly widows. When they're left on their own, what do they do? In uh, verse 5, they put their hope in God and continue night and day to pray and ask God for help. That's wonderful. That's glorious. That's uh, what we ought to aspire to. These, these godly widows are top quality. Verses 9 and 10. She's been faithful to her husband and is well known for good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the saints, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kind of good deeds. They're faithful women, and they're in every church. They're the ones who come up to you and tell you that they've been praying for you. And you don't remember their name and you remember vaguely meeting them a few years ago. But they've been faithful in praying for you since then. And these are the widows the church should care for. The church can't care for everyone. And if they try, Paul says, they become burdened, verse 16, and are unable to help those widows who are really in need. And... So what do we do about this time gap between us and the Ephesian church? The church isn't in the position of giving pensions to people anymore. The government does that. So what should we do? Well, this, uh, we face the same danger of becoming too uh, overwhelming ourselves with uh, cares that, enable, that stop us from doing the ministry that God's given us to do. And so we need to ask ourselves some, some questions. Are we in danger of burdening ourselves with care of people who aren't our responsibility? 
And in doing so, are we too burdened to continue preaching the gospel and sharing it with others? Are we too eager and too quick in our offer of help? Are there ministries we're considering that would decrease the time our pastors have for prayer and preaching the word? Are there opportunities for sharing the gospel we aren't able to take because we're too burdened with other things? Now, we should still care for people. We should care for the people who are really in need. And uh, a friend, a guy I worked with when I did uh, ministry training at uni, uh, used to be a missionary in Kenya and set up a uh, hospital for pregnant women and uh, delivered thousands of babies while he was there. And uh, he had this model of three kinds of care, gospel care, medical care, and VIP care. Now, uh, everyone on his staff was trained in sharing the gospel. And uh, when someone was in their waiting room, they would sit down with them and uh, they had posters on the walls explaining the gospel and so this, the staff would go through with everyone. And this kind of gospel care, the church, uh, should be the, our main priority, it seems, uh, because this saves people. This saves people from uh, God's wrath and judgment forever to a life forever with God and with all those who are his. And so we should be making certain that we're not burdening ourselves to the point of not being able to do this gospel ministry anymore. Sometimes we need a harsh, true word to help us see how things have gotten out of hand. And the ministry of caring for widows in the Ephesian church had gotten out of hand. They'd been too quick and too uh, permissive with their support and they had been supporting people who they ought not of. And in doing so, it's become a burden on the system. It's become a burden on the church. And this shouldn't have been. Those they should have cared for are those who are really in need, godly widows with no family. But those widows who were Christians, uh, who had family, uh, the family should have taken care of them. And Christians in the church were being slack by not taking care of their widowed relatives. And so at uh, WBC, we ought to be careful about stretching ourselves so thinly or engaging in too many things so that we're not able to do the gospel ministry that we ought to do and uh, provide the care for those who really need it. Uh, I was at a conference once and a guy asked me how I was going at caring for the single woman that was on our staff team at uni and I didn't really have an answer for him. Uh, But he said, look, you've got to do it. You've got to care. And he's right. We've got to care for the single women in our church, the older single women. Uh, who have nobody else. We've got to be a family to them. And so we ought to make sure that we're able to care for these people uh, by not stretching ourselves too thinly. Let me pray to close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We uh, pray that you would uh, continue to help WBC to manage its uh, people resources and its money resources well such that we're able to continue doing the work of proclaiming the good news that Jesus is Saviour and Lord. We uh, pray that you would uh, help us to care for those who we ought to care for uh, and those who are really in need. And uh, we pray that we would be joyful in our family relationships and treat one another as fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. 
and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.